Hold on to your seats and noses, folks, because you're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashley Mae Fernandez, and each episode I plunge into the depths of marketing to bring you fresh perspectives that are deadly but not silent. So if you're ready to stop farting around and make your profits rip, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. I had this on my mind last night because yesterday I had someone who is in my mastermind. He was talking to me and he was like, I have this ad that I put out and it's got a ton of engagement, but almost every single person is someone that is not a good fit. And he was like, so I know it's a messaging problem because it's actually getting leads, but almost every single one of these leads are about three steps behind where I need them to be to be a perfect fit for my offer. So he was like, Ashley, you're the messaging queen. Is there any way that you could take a look at it? I said, yes, absolutely. So I started looking at it yesterday. He sent it over and I did a Loom video for him. But as I was reading it, I started to see a few things and recorded this Loom video for him. And I was saying, here's why certain things are attracting someone who is at a lower level than what you had intentionally wanted to attract. So I, I want to talk about that today and a few things that I saw in his post, as well as that I see so often in messaging and in content. And so I want to start it off by saying there are two parts to this, right? There is your intention. A lot of you guys write your messaging, well, not a lot of you guys, everyone, you write your messaging, you write your content with an intention. Sometimes I even want to add that that intention is a subconscious intention that you actually don't realize that you're doing. And I actually see this a lot. I can, when I read content, I can 100% feel the energy that that piece of content came from. And it goes back to the intention, whether it's conscious or subconscious, but you have an intention with your messaging. Most of the time, if you're selling an offer, your intention is to get a lead, right? To, to sell your offer. And the flip side of that is the interpretation of the ideal client. And this is where I see so, so many things go wrong. And with my, my friend that's in the mastermind, he was basically like, my intention is to get this person, but they're coming to me and they're saying this, 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 and this. And it was almost their interpretation was completely different than what he had originally thought his intention was. So I want to talk about this because what ends up happening when any person receives a piece of information, if we read something, we hear something, we watch something, every single person will have a different interpretation. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, because the interpretation is actually, this is, if you've heard me other other podcast episodes, or even if you've worked with me, you've heard about my 4A method, right? I talk about my 4A method, and it is a way that I break down ideal client. And the reason why I break this down is I use a lot of NLP, which is neuro-linguistics programming, because the way that our brains work is a lot of the times when we hear something, we see something, we experience something, we are going to process, process. <laughs> process it in a completely different way than the person sitting next to us. Even if they heard the same thing, they saw the same thing, they experienced the same thing, 
everyone is going to have a different interpretation based off of what I call four things, right? Four things. So the first is the assets that they already have. What you own, things that you, that are your property, things that you own, right? So I will give you a really simple example. Let's say I'm a coach, person's next to me is a coach, and an asset of mine is, let's say I have 10 clients, okay? I have 10 contract signed clients working with me. The coach next to me has four signed contracts next to me. Now, we are going to have different interpretations or different thoughts about that, right? Those are two different assets. Even if we had the same asset, let's say that I had 10, she had 10, we are still going to have a different interpretation of that. Your, the interpretation is going to come down to four different factors. Assets are going to be the first one, depending on what assets you already have. The second part of the, a, the 4A method is the action. What actions has someone already taken to get the assets that they currently have or to not get things that they want. So what are the actions that they've already taken? And all of these things, again, go into interpretation, right? And then the, the third one is the ability. What abilities does someone have? Because I could probably have the ability, I can have the ability to write copy and messaging. My husband stinks at it. He doesn't have that ability. Not that he couldn't learn, but he doesn't have that ability right now. And then the fourth thing is the biggest, most important thing. And this is where I spend so, 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 so much time with my, with my client. The fourth one is the awareness stage. The awareness stage are what are the person's values and what are their beliefs? And when I mean beliefs, what are the mindset things going on in their head that you can't see that are causing them to take, to feel a certain way and to take certain actions, right? This is where the magic happens. But the thing about it is your beliefs can change everything. And this is why when I create messaging, why I create content, I do it from a place of a mindset and belief shifting content. I will give you a prime example. Let's even look at the term of having a lot of money, okay? First of all, that's completely subjective. What I think is a lot of money might be completely different than what Jennifer thinks is a lot of money. But let's just even use the phrase a lot of money. Someone might think, oh, that's awesome. I'm successful. I'm, it's freedom, right? But then another person might hear the term having a lot of money and they immediately think greed or they think risk or they think responsibility. And it's, it's again, it's what are their beliefs? So if you are a coach and you're out here talking about, I can help you make $100,000 a month, you need to know what are the money beliefs of your ideal client. And when you're speaking to those, you need to know how to shift them because a desire, a desire can be universal. We can all have a desire to want more money. But the reason why all of us don't have more money is because we have beliefs holding us back from getting, those from getting that money or getting more money. You have to know what are those beliefs, okay? And that all goes into interpretation. What you believe is going to determine how you interpret what you read, what you hear, and what you see. So you, as a service provider, if your messaging is not speaking to and overcoming 
and shifting the negative beliefs of your ideal client, they are going to interpret everything that you say in a different way than what you intended it to say. And then if you have the fear of being misunderstood, raising my hand over here, you're going to then get frustrated. You're probably going to resent the people coming along. And it's just going to cause you a lot of things and making it mean something. Because anytime we read something, anytime we see something, we put meaning to it based off of the assets that we have, the actions that we've taken in our life, the abilities that we have, and the awareness, which goes into what we were taught as a child, our beliefs, our core value, our religion, all of that. We will make something mean something based off our interpretation. So you as a business owner, this is why I always say that so many people do not know their ideal client well enough because you do not know them on the awareness level. You do not know them on the what are they believing level. You do not know them on what were they taught as a child level, right? And because you don't know that, what you're putting out, your intention of what you're putting out is not being interpreted the way that you intended it to be interpreted. And this is what I see. So I'm going to actually walk through, I'm going to walk through three or four things that I see happening that will cause messaging to be misinterpreted. So this, I talk about this quite often, but I'm gonna do it in a different lens today. So telling them what they already know. I see this so much in content where they are literally telling people, their ideal client, what their ideal client already knows. Now, the intention of this is, could be to just make them aware of what they're talking about. I'll give you an example of my friend in my mastermind. He, he helps people create habits, right? Like morning habits. And he kept saying, change your habits, change your life. And he kept saying, you have a habit problem. And I was like, your, the, your idle client already knows that. They, all, they have probably heard 50 million times. Your idle client has probably already read the five-hour work week or the atomic habits. Like they've already read all of these things. They have heard everything that you're saying before. They've probably already taken action on everything that you're saying before. They already know they have a habit problem right? They already know this. So again, his intention was not a bad one. It was just to bring awareness. But the interpretation that I usually see what happens is the people who he's trying to attract, he's trying to attract that person who's already taken action, who has read those books, who, who really want to join his program to get support in doing it, right? Because his is all about not implementation, but integration. His intention is to attract those people but really what that is saying to those people is you're just like everybody else and quit rubbing it in my face, right? And this is what I talk about all the time with manipulation marketing, where you are trying to make your ideal client wrong so that you can be right. So you're telling them and you're prodding on those pain points and you're just reminding them of all the things and mistakes they've made and the bad decisions they've made in the past. And when you do that, you are literally on a subconscious level telling them that they're not good enough, that they can't trust themselves, and it gets them angry, right? Because they feel dumb and they feel stupid and you're calling it out. And it's not, again, that's not your intention, but a lot of the time that is the interpretation. I'm gonna also give you another example that has nothing to do with business. How many times, 
I'm going to laugh because my husband's over here. How many times has your spouse or your parent or your friend or somebody told you something like 10 times and you're just like, I know you've already told me that, right? I don't understand what you're saying. You told, quit telling me the same thing over and over again. We've all been there. And this is what happens a lot in messaging. This is what happens a lot in messaging is that you just keep telling your ideal client what they already know, but that's not the actual problem. For him, what we did in his messaging is I told him, I was like, they don't, to them, they've already implemented, right? So you can't keep telling them, you just have to keep taking the actions. They've already taken actions and they keep falling off the bandwagon. That is what you need to speak to. So we literally went in and we said, it's not about implementation, it's about integration. You're doing all the things that you need to do, but the reason why you keep falling off the bandwagon is because you're trying to implement all of these changes at one time instead of slowly integrating them into your routine. And when we said that, he was like, that makes so much sense. And we completely changed that. And he was like, God, this feels so much better. This speaks to someone so much higher than what I was getting. And he was getting the lazy people on the couch who didn't want to do anything, but they, I mean, they hadn't taken any action towards doing anything. And so that's what we did. We changed it. So instead of sitting here harping on the ideal client being wrong, we basically were like, no, you are doing all the right things, right? You're taking action. Freaking yes. Hallelujah. Good on you. I want you to take the action, but there's just a small tweak you need to make to be able to really stick to taking this action. So that's what I see a lot is that people are always trying to tell their ideal clients what they already know. You've heard me talk about this too, about duh content. And I'm always like, duh. If someone reads your content and they can literally go, duh, or I already know that, you have to change your content and your messaging. You are not speaking to them on a deep enough level. I'm gonna keep going. A third reason why I see your messaging getting misinterpreted is because you aren't going deep enough with context. Okay, now you're probably rolling your eyes because you hear it's not about content, it's about context. Okay, I'm gonna give it to you in a completely different way. When I say there's not enough context, it's because you're speaking so broadly on a circumstantial or an action level but you're not putting in enough context as to what is happening around that action or that circumstance. Let me give you an example, right? So the same behavior or the same circumstance can take on different contexts, okay? So I'm gonna give you a real life example because I studied abroad in Hong Kong, okay? I studied abroad in Hong Kong when I was in college. I absolutely loved it. and this is what <laughs> I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two different in incidents. Okay. I'm in Hong Kong and I'm standing to get on the tram and a elderly man comes up next to me, grabs my arm. Okay. And puts his head on my shoulder. He was, he was probably in his eighties, bless his little heart. So sweet. But he comes up and he lays down on my shoulder. Complete stranger. Okay. Cool. In Hong Kong, that is actually very common. Elderly are worshipped basically in 
Hong Kong because they are very wise. And if you are, if you're on a tram and an elderly person is standing and you do not get up out of your seat and let them sit, you are, you are seeing it's very disrespectful. A lot of elderly in Hong Kong are not put in nursing homes. Like they are taken care of in their own home. Like their family takes care of them. They're highly respected. Now in the U S if I was standing waiting to get on a bus or something and an old man came up to me and like immediately grabbed my arm and laid on me, it would be a completely different experience, right? I'd probably be like, oh, what in the world is going on, right? It's a completely different experience. And knowing these two stories, you have to have the context, right? If I just said there was one incident where I was standing in line, like standing in line and someone, old man came up to me and laid on me, and I told you that story in two separate things, but I didn't give you the context of I was in Hong Kong versus I was in the United States. The whole story would be completely different, right? You have to have the context. Now, what does this look like in business? I hear this all the time of people like, okay, I can help you get to 20K, 30K months. 15 million other coaches can say the same thing. You need to have context. Okay, what type of business are they? Where are they starting from? right? What other things are going on into their business? How are they marketing their business? Are they using organic marketing? Are they using ads? Are they using Instagram? Are they using video? Are they using, what, what are they using? You have to have context. And I do not see enough context in messaging. Like it, it, I just feel like sometimes I can read something and I'm like, I feel like I just read that three other times. And you can't go too broad. You have to get so, 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 so deep in context. Now, using the same example of Hong Kong, if I told that story and I didn't give you context of why it was not rude, right? Why that was not rude in Hong Kong to do that, you would be like, okay, right? It would be completely different. But I gave you context. I gave you background. I'll give you another example. I, I took international business was my major in college, and we had to take an entire course on cultural practices in other countries because it was international. And I cannot for the, I'm like, I totally just lost it. I cannot tell you what country it was, but I'll have to go look it up. There's a specific country that if you burp, that is a sign of respect, that the meal was so awesome. So like your loudest, biggest belch was a sign of respect. If you do that in the United States, it's disgusting, right? If you're at a restaurant and you belch really loud, people are Ooh, like, what the world, right? You have to have context. You have to have context. So I'm going to keep going. That was the third one. Well, I think one and two kind of went together, but that was another thing I don't see is I don't see enough context. And then the last one is what I'm going to call the positioning, right? So what I mean by, by positioning is a lot of the times people don't position or frame things in the right way they should be framed. Oh, Kristen said slurping in Japan is good. Yeah, God, I cannot and the sound of slurping. So maybe in Japan, it's not the place for me to go. But what I mean by frames is a lot of the times people will position or they'll frame things in a certain way that doesn't match 
what their ideal client is looking for. So I'm going to kind of like weave this into two separate things. So what I mean by frames is there's in NL, in, in NLP, there are certain things called frames. There's actually several different ones, but ones that I see a lot of people get wrong is something I call the problem frame, the outcome frame, and the feedback versus failure frame. Okay. So what that means is a lot of the times people will create content and they put it positioned around the, a problem, like a problem frame. And because they're positioning it around a problem, they're inviting people in who have the problem, but they aren't solution aware. Does that make sense? You want your ideal client to be problem and solution aware. You want, you want them to understand that they have the problem and they know why they have the problem and they know what's going to fix the problem. What I see a lot of people do is they, they talk a lot about the problems that their idle clients have. Like, oh, you're not getting clients, not getting enough leads, X, Y, Z. But then they're trying to sell the outcome, which is the next one, the outcome frame, or they're trying to sell the solution being like do Instagram reels. When that person's not even on Instagram reels, that's not why they're not getting leads, right? And so you didn't try to convince them that they have the problem and the, they need the solution that you offer. So and they need to then actually, instead of framing it in a problem frame, they need to frame it in a solution frame or an outcome frame. And sometimes I see the opposite is where I'll see they talk strictly about the outcome, but they never talk about how they actually help that person get the outcome. So then they're gonna say, oh, I help you lose 50 pounds, right? Let's just say your health coach and you say, oh, I help you lose 50 pounds. But the way that you do it is CrossFit. And then you have someone who comes in here who has had surgery on both knees and they can't do heavy lifting. So they have a desire to lose the 50 pounds, but because they have some type of medical, you know, restriction, they can't do that. That's not the easiest way for them to lose weight. So I see that a lot too, is that they then go straight always to the outcome, but they don't actually speak to how they're actually helping that person get the outcome. And then the last frame is feedback versus failure frame. And this is kind of weaves into what I was talking about earlier. Instead of giving feedback as to what they see this person, I don't want to say doing wrong, because I don't think it's doing wrong. Instead of giving feedback on their expertise, and giving feedback on the things and the blind spots that they see, they instead put the idle client into a failure frame of you're a complete failure because you don't have this result yet. You're a complete failure because you have this problem. You're a complete failure because you took all these actions and they didn't work. And now you feel stuck and you've tried everything and it didn't work. Can we please just use that? remove that line because you have not tried everything. That is literally just putting your idle client in a very low level mentality. I would scream from the rooftops. Anyway, you get my picture, right? And so instead of giving feedback, they go into failure. And when you go into failure, you then can step into failure avoidance, which will make your client go, get so overwhelmed with the fact that they haven't gotten the outcome or result yet that they immediately will self-sabotage and go into failure avoidance, which means they don't do anything. Or they do other patterns that are just going to keep them in the same cycle that they're in. And that's doing your client a huge disservice. And 
The last thing that I want to talk about, which is, I think, the biggest reason why a lot of this happens, is roll my eyes a little bit because I feel I feel like in marketing, so many people are like, you need to know your why. You need to know your why. And it's good to know your why, but you also need to know your client's why. And I don't need to say just their one why. You need to know their whys. Whys. There are multiple ones. What I mean by this, right, is that everyone has desires. We just talked about outcome. So many people want the same outcome. But why do they want that outcome? And when you ask why, they're going to say a few things. And then what they say, you can then pull out what it is they value and what it is they believe. Let me give you an example. Everyone has a desire to increase profits, right? I think every business owner on this planet has a desire to increase profits. We can all agree on that, right? So if I ask them why, they might say something, well, so then I can be able to pay off debt or that I can be able to have a savings in the account, X, Y, Z. So I can say, hmm, based off that information, one of their beliefs, that I could mirror back to them is that more money will bring more stability. So to them, a belief that they have is money equals stability. Do I believe that? Or is that belief that that thought that they have, that belief, is that self-sabotaging them in some way? And if I believe that it is, that's the thought that I need to shift. But you have to ask them why, right? The desires are not the why. The desires are this is what I think is going to solve or get me to my why. And then you have to understand, okay, well, where did that why even come from? It's a belief of some sort. So the underlying belief of, of maybe this person, my ideal client, wanting more profits is because they think more money equals more stability. Right. And some people don't think that really, because we used that earlier. Right. Sometimes more people think more money, more problems. They don't think it's more stability. They think it's more responsibility. Right. And the reason why I bring this up is because what people find the most meaningful are the things that are, are connected to their core beliefs. And those drive everything. Right. And core beliefs go into safety, what's going to keep me safe, what's going to help me grow, right? Survival, how am I going to survive, right? Um, and these are all programmed into our subconscious. But the desires that people have will always present their core, they will always, always come from their core beliefs. And if those core beliefs that they have are not serving them, then that's what you have to shift, right? Because I actually don't believe that, I'll be straight honest with you, I don't believe more money will bring more stability because stability is subjective, right? And I also feel that if you are irresponsible with little, you are more likely going to be irresponsible with more. And if you're irresponsible, that will never create stability because you're going to continue to have feast and famine months. How many people have had feast and famine months? Raise your hand. Maybe it's because 
a month or two, you go really, really hard and then you get all the clients and you're like, oh yes, I have all the clients. And so I don't really need to show up and market. I'm just going to focus on my clients. And then when the clients start to dwindle, you are like, oh my God, I went from a $30,000 a month to a $5,000 a month. And then you go into this panic of, oh my gosh, there's no leads and I'm a little bit up, right? And you go crazy. So the $30,000 did not, the $30,000 a month did not create more stability for you because a month later, you're literally in the exact same spot you were in before you made the $30,000. It's because you have some, some belief, right? That is not allowing you to fulfill the idea that more money will equal stability. So I think that's a lie, really, at the end of the day, right? Do you see how I did that? I know it's probably confusing as my brain goes, but I hope that you, I hope that you can understand that. And you might be thinking like, this is so deep. <laughs> like, why does any of this matter? Copywriting doesn't teach this. It's because as coaches and consultants, your messaging is a reflection of your mindset. And if your mindset believes some of these things too, then you're going to call in people who also believe some of these things. And it's going to be really difficult for you to help them if you guys are both struggling with this, right? And if you don't know these things, you're always going to be calling in clients who are not a perfect fit for you. And this is what I, this is the reason why I do what I do. Because when you call in clients who aren't a good fit for you, you go into the spiral and the cycle of feast or famine months. You go in the cycle of resenting your clients in the, I just want to quit my business. I don't want to show up anymore. I want to create a new offer. I want to change it. You can't scale. I just want to be dead honest with you. You cannot scale, right? But it's not, it's not the, the bad clients that are coming in. It's your messaging that is attracting those clients for coming in. And that's your fault, not your clients, right? Or the potential clients coming in. The reason why you're attracting clients who are not a perfect fit for you is because you're putting messaging out there that is calling them in. And because you don't know who you need to target on the awareness and belief stage. This is why digging into who your idol client is to their core is so important. And I don't see other people doing this. I don't see people positioning it the way that I position. And it is how I've been able to close high tickets without high tickets without sales calls because I am literally speaking to the soul of my client. There, I can't even tell you how many times people are like, I feel like you know me better than I know myself. And I'm like, no, I'm just mirroring what you're telling me back to you. And I'm letting you see it because I don't have the ability to change you. Only you have the ability to change you. Oh, it's so, I could talk about it for days and days and days, but I don't want this to be the longest episode ever. So I'll end with this because I have one more. I just realized I have one more example on my thing in relation to the context, and I, I should share it. I wrote down the way we communicate means more than what we communicate, and we've probably heard that several times. And I think that's also where a lot of people get wrong with the context is that we are so focused on what we need to communicate versus the way we communicate it. I will give you an example. Let's just use the word yes. If I said, 
Yes? Yes. Yes. Same exact word. Three different tones of voice. All three meanings. The first I was yes or the question mark, right? If you read that, you want yes or the question mark. Like, huh? The other one was yes with an exclamation point, so excited versus yes, probably with periods, dot, dot, dot. That would be annoyed yet. All right. Same word, three different interpretations based off how I said it, which would be communicated in, in a like speaking format, auditory format is what I was looking for. Second one is written format, question mark, exclamation point, dot, dot, dot. We all read those very differently. We have completely different thoughts, completely different emotions over all of that, right? I bet when I said yes, you probably thought of a time, like a question of like when you questioned something. When I said yes with the SOH point, probably thought of a really exciting time where you were screaming yes, like all completely different. Versus yes, you know, dot, dot, dot. And I roll my eyes, you probably thought of me as a teenager being like, yes. All different things. But if I just had yes, 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 written three times on a piece of paper, you wouldn't, they wouldn't mean anything different if there was not context to them. So that's what I meant by context. I forgot to share that in the context part, but I love it. I hope this was very helpful. This was something that I, trying to get a little bit deeper, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to nerd out on this a little bit. Again, to get this deep with your ideal client. It's so important. And these are very simple things to fix in your messaging that will have a significantly larger, like, outcome and attract a completely different caliber of client. And I just had to talk to, I just had to talk about them today. So that's it. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Farting Around Show. It's been an absolute blast making a big stink with you. If you find yourself gasping for more, then come join me over on my socials. Links are below. If you enjoyed this episode, don't fart and dart. Please leave a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Cheers to breaking wind. I mean barriers. And I'll see you in the next episode.